Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Muriel. And welcome to Hella, Hella in Your 30s. This week, in honor of Halloween, we bring you Muriel's Murders. Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Let's do jumping jacks. And we'll get rich. But oops, I found that bottle of gin underneath the sink again. So tomorrow's a new day. Let's order pizza. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hella in Your 30s. This is a podcast for people of all ages, all about navigating this dystopian world we live in. And right now, the only way for us to even slightly attempt to get through this thing is a little bit of escapism. So in honor of Halloween, uh, we're going to turn this episode into a murder podcast, a true crime story told by Muriel Montgomery. So... If you're a sensitive soul like I am and don't like hearing about real people actually getting murdered, uh, you don't listen to this podcast. And if you're a psychopath like I am and you like listening to true crime podcasts, hold on to your asses because we're going to talk today about Belle Gunness. All right, we had to press a pause on the recorder, and Muriel just wanted to prep me by saying, look, Nick, what I need from you is not to be too uptight if I make any mistakes, because this <laughs> girl put a lot of energy into researching this thing. She was like, oh, I'll just do it in an hour. It's like eight hours later. This girl put together a full book report. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just do rabbit holes. I don't know how to not do that. Yeah. I'm over here like doing this. I did this research. Okay, here's there's a couple caveats to this, okay? <laughs> First right, of all, yeah. this is I have listened to like literally hundreds and hundreds of episodes of true crime podcasts. Yes. Like I've probably listened to like the vast majority of true crime podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And I am realizing a lot of the stuff that they do is made up. Like there's a lot a lot of like um especially with the older cases, but uh -huh. in general there's a lot of lore surrounding these. Uh -huh. And I think like I realized something as I was doing this too. Yeah. Is that like I was talking to, we were talking about this yesterday. It's like, it's a weird thing that like has swept the nation. Like we love listening to these types of podcasts. Right. And then every time there's a new like Netflix murder documentary series or something, it always goes viral. People love it. Yeah. And then it's like, what is with it? You know, it's yeah. like, it feels like it's kind of, I, I can't, I don't feel like it's super defensible. I think it's easily rationalized, uh -huh. but I, you know, it's like, it's an indulgence. It's like, well, why would you as a person want to listen to this? Yeah. Right. I don't know. <laughs> and I think that there's more arguments against it than there are for it. Yeah. Right. But I find them comp like really compelling yeah. and insane. And like, I feel like I learn things about survival and uh -huh. like recognizing, like I'm learning to be an FBI agent, <laughs> recognize like, yeah, right. like, you know, like warning signs. Yeah. But the other thing I realized after researching this uh -huh. is that it's just like Nightmare on Elm Street or like the Boogeyman or like, you know, I don't know what's a Cropsy or like any of these, like, it's like a lot of these stories are kind of like a version of folklore, you know? Okay, I'm with that, except for the unethical part is that it was a, a real human's life lost. I know, but the thing is, here's the thing. I know, 
And I'm saying that's not super defensible. Right. Yeah. But I think in the grand history of things, it's like people just a lot of people die all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like, it's not like, I, I don't know. It's like, you can't tell the story of like Nestle, the company without saying like, how fucking fucking destroyed the world. <laughs> yeah, you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, and people have been sitting around the campfire for, uh, you know, centuries telling the story about how so-and-so that got worked. his head bashed in with a, you know, club in the caveman. Right. Or like or that really crazy stepmom. And you're like, that lady's crazy. And she ends up being super crazy, like <laughs> killing everybody. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like there is something like, how are you going to not talk about I, it? It exists. Okay. That's, that's why we want right. to talk about it. And I think like, we, okay. and there, there is this like kind of thing about like, I mean, this is totally anecdotal, like not research, but there yeah. is that kind of thing about like how Americans don't deal with death in yeah. like culturally. We don't right. have like a lot of sort of like, not just like funerals as a culture, but just like the process of death or the right. inevitable death. You know, like we don't have a lot of sort of like cultural mechanisms to, to like process it. Yeah, exactly. Or celebrate it or even understand it in any sort of, it's like this weird, like private thing that each person, you just like let them privately deal with that in whatever way. Right. And it's just like, well, okay, there's something to that. But also maybe if we as a, culture had any sort of like communal you know uh, support system built in for each other or set of beliefs or even just some guiding principles on how to deal with it maybe that'd be a little better I mean it makes sense that that's why we have this like um like disconnect when it comes to it like this way of sort of like detaching you know like these stories can be stories Right. probably be, like because of that you know like that's right and like why americans are like i mean i don't know if it's it's global kind of but like why at least here i'm american i know that here it's like it's right. just this phenomenon that sweeps that i'm like i've totally got caught up in it i find them mesmerizing and i think it is because i don't think about you know like right. I, I don't think about death like i have a disassociation okay with so that. this is how i am now going forward with this murder episode uh based on this conversation i'm a, i'm choosing to believe that uh not talking about these murders would be denying a part of our humanity right okay it's part of the human tradition to talk about how someone died yeah right okay it's a campfire and thing. Yeah. right yes and we are also <laughs> aiding you know a healthy discourse in the, um, you know, uh, modern American psyche about, uh, you know, uh, galvanizing all of our emotions and brain waves uh, into some sort of, uh, pro- uh, you know, uh, helpful. You got this. I think you got this. <laughs> I can nail it. You're I looking can nail at it. me like you're really no, I lost like, it. I was no, on it for a second. It. You got it. But I lost it. I think we are helping <laughs> galvanize <laughs> a collective consciousness into a new way uh, to of processing to, death of processing death yeah. by instead there's no campfire there's just a macbook pro right okay and, uh, and yeah. there's no community there's, there's just earbuds. these microphones and the internet and yeah. we're just you know we're all just sort of like bouncing these uh wavelengths of storytelling through the uh, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> just take out like eight words for every 10 words and i think you're there no 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 but i feel you i think it's also like an irreverence of like is a part of processing it you know like Uh there's something about like just being like well we're all gonna die i don't want to die like that but if i you know so i'll try not to Uh, i love justifying our flippant attitude towards serious things as a as a that's what i'm saying though i'm not saying it's a justification Uh i'm just saying it's a rationalization it's different 
Got I'm it. not saying that I'm proving <laughs> that this is ethical. I'm just saying I I think I have a decent rationalization of why I like to do it. Great. Rationalization done. Apologies non-existent. <laughs> Let's get on with the murder podcast muriel's murder okay i'm nervous me, i'm nervous so be nice to me this whole be- time <laughs> i have i've been listening to this forever and i'm gonna try to be like this is good but okay great okay i did a lot of research i know, on this. I know we've covered that we've covered that <laughs> okay right. so ready yes i'm gonna put it on a little scary music now okay so thank you get ready to intro it it's very scary sounds good All right, so today we are going to be talking. Stop moving your lips while I'm talking. (laughs) (laughs) You're being so distracting right now. (laughs) Don't worry. Okay, today we are going to (laughs) be... Today we are going to be talking about Belle Gunness, all right? She's like a Norwegian immigrant. She was in... uh, like immigrated to the U.S. young in life. We'll go uh-huh. over that. She is a early 20th century, which always confuses me. Those are the... 1900s. Okay, great. 20th century, okay. right? So she's born in the 1800s. She was active in the 1900s. She's <laughs> uh, uh, a serial killer. Oh, God. Yes. Um, so she's a lady, and she also was pretty prolific. In her murders? Yes, so... She's not like super famous, but she is actually should be like historically. Well, she definitely will be after this episode. Yeah, I know. She's going to be famous to hundreds of people, (laughs) tens of hundreds. Just kidding. Maybe 75. Just kidding. Okay. So (laughs) she is not super well known, Mm -hmm. but she did a lot of crazy shit. And I think this story is the most interesting because... I always like these early murders. Like all of them are really all all murders are interesting to me. Right. But the early ones are really interesting, especially when there's like a lot of information about them, because people could get away with fucking anything. Right. It's insane. Police will be like, "Well, I don't know. What do you think?" And this guy's like, "Well, I have a letter." And they're like, "Well, hang him," you know. <laughs> or like, "I have a letter. Well, that that's enough for me." Let's like, there's just like no warrants. There's no. It's all just like whatever the neighbors said, uh-huh. you know, is like what goes. But you're saying it's easier to get away with stuff, but also there was less like need for actual proof before they hung you. That's exactly what it is. Okay, it's just so it's, like it's easier like to get a away Jackson with it. Jackson Pollock of legal system. <laughs> yeah. Like I always fantasize about this when I think about like you know like like we were watching um, David Attenborough's new documentary mm-hmm, about how all the biodiversity in the world is dying and because yeah. of that humans will die also which don't watch that right before you're gonna go to bed <laughs> talk about a murder <laughs> that, podcast like, literally, like I that was really yeah talk that's what I'm saying it's like <laughs> come on what are we not gonna talk about this murder it's like the world we're murdering our planet okay okay so anyways when you look at the pictures of David yeah. Attenborough when he first started, like in his twenties, and, yeah. and like the statistic is like seventy percent of the planet still was wild, right? So just meaning like jungles will were still there, right? Like old growth forests were still there. Man hadn't just spread across the planet; the population right. was just lower. And you just think of what he was able to see in his lifetime. Yeah, he was able to see basically like pristine fish stocks and like really like real migration patterns and like all of this stuff that had been kind of like untouched right and i just think like that would be such a wild time to be alive to be one of few 
you know, mm-hmm. instead of one of many. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is kind of like similar to that. It's just like back then there just weren't a lot of people. And <laughs> you really, it's before people knew how to do anything. So you really could just <laughs> kind of like come up with something that works for you and just do it. <laughs> and you're American. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is like the story of that. Okay, you know? great. Okay. So anyway, right. so. Bell Gunnis was born uh, in Norway in 1859. There's a lot of history about like the, obviously there's history everywhere, but there's a lot of history behind Norway and in the 19th century, like there were the Napoleonic Wars that happened at the beginning of the 1800s. And then that changed a lot of the society. Essentially, like I don't have enough time to go down this rabbit hole because obviously Uh it's just like a history lesson. Yeah. But essentially from what I can understand, it was a really hard place to live. It was like one of the top three poorest places in Europe at the time because of kind of the Napoleonic Wars being over Mm -hmm. and then a smallpox vaccine and also potatoes being introduced. There was like this kind of crazy population boom, Uh but the country was still pretty poor and there's not a lot of farmable land. Interesting in Norway. Yeah. So towards the end that wasn't owned. Mm -hmm. So towards the end of the 1800s, it was like almost impossible to actually acquire land to Mm. buy land yourself. Mm. And so what you ended up with was this kind of system of, I think serfdom, it's basically like rich people would own farms and then it's like you can like, or sharecropping or however, mm-hmm. I don't remember the, the term, but like it's basically like rich people would earn, own farms and then you could rent out a plot of that land and working that land would pay your rent for living on the land, sure. right? But because there wasn't a lot of farmable land based on the population, people were living in these tiny plots of land. So like the poor in Norway were really it was really hard to be upwardly mobile uh-huh. because you were super poor and destitute but also there just wasn't any land so if you were really poor and and came here as an immigrant in the u.s there's just tons of land uh-huh. you know so it's you can if you can scrape it together and work and buy a plot of land you know you have some place to really live but in norway at that time the plots of land that you could get you really couldn't own and right. they were tiny people were living on these like 80 square foot kind of pieces of land. I mean, it was just like really crazy, like small. Farms were also really small, like in general. They're not yeah. like the way that we think of them in, in the U.S. God, am I wrong to think that Norway now is like one of these countries that are like really well off and everyone has yes. health care and like everyone's fine? Yes. And you like work at behind the counter of something and you have like a vacation. Yes. Like it's like apartment. way better now, but at the time <sighs> it wasn't. So and why so- does it stress me out so bad to think about a country, Oh, especially a white European country going from that kind of poverty into like now everyone is fine. Like who did they exploit along the way? Like well, my inclination part- is that they did a lot of, as a country, a lot of evil shit to, to not, be like that anymore but i don't know that's just my um i don't horrible you know i mean prejudice yeah right i mean maybe but i think that the idea was basically like the swedish king came and like took over norway for a period of time Uh and i think for like a period of time in the 1800s people couldn't even they couldn't vote right Uh and then they kind of developed a parliament that was ran under the um king of norway yeah and then eventually they separated from the king of Norway, I think. So basically, once the part, like the actual government, uh-huh. like the parliament got control over the country, yeah. however that happened, yeah. they just were socialist. 
you know. Right. So, so like, they just they, like got rid of their Jeff very... Bezos or whatever, and then everyone was okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's Good. basically like what they did. I am loving this historical okay. backdrop for where this girl comes out so, of. Oh, that's okay. Good. okay. I'm really into sure it. I'm like, really well, into it. Okay. Okay. No, she was just like a poor Norwegian, like destitute. Yes. Uh, she was, or, or was she one of the rich people? No, no. She was super, super okay, okay, poor. Okay, she was okay. one of eight kids. They yeah. lived on one of these tiny sections of a farm. Yeah. And when back then, mm-hmm. like, and that's not even that long ago. It was 1859. Yeah. Her name actually is really awesome. It's Brynhild Paulsdatter Storset was her name. What's the first name? Brynhild? Brynhild Paulsdatter yeah. Storset. So Paul's daughter is actually just Paul's daughter. So she has a first name yeah. and her last name is because her dad's name's Paul. <laughs> yeah, sure. So it's Paul's daughter. <laughs> and then Storset is the farm that her family like rented land from. Wow. So that's the farm that they like worked on. Right. And that's how you got names. So, so you were you just can, labeled. Right. And that's they're like, like, what's the most unappealing first name? No, it's a great name. But, but it's also like, doesn't, I mean, then she came to America and they're like, you're pretty. Your name is Belle. Right. Exactly. It's like, that's easy. No, I mean, I think it's, that's a, good example of probably like what it was like sure you know what i mean like she's a daughter like the youngest daughter of eight yeah so she's just what's her name paul's daughter who lives at that works on that farm you know what i mean and that's just like that's the type of labeling that was happening for like pretty much most of the (laughs) population would have been nicholas babysitter (laughs) joseph muriel uh west daughter Dry cleaner. Okay. <laughs> um, this is where the lore starts. So that we're going to jump in and out of like lore and like verifiable stuff. Okay, great. So when she was 16 or so, the rumor is she fell in with this like rich boy, like a landowning boy mm-hmm. in the town and got pregnant. And then at a dance, they were dancing. They were there and he found her and beat her up. And she had a miscarriage. Oh, my God. A lot of people say, like, that is, like, affected a big change in her. Sure. And then later, that guy died, like, Mm -hmm. really soon after that of, like, a stomach issue. Uh Uh-huh. Which was just, like, very odd. But that's kind of how that chapter closed. Sure. I think that's interesting. That story's come up, like, again and again and again. It's people who say that they've known her, like, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And she does have, like, relatives who live in the U.S., so I think that those stories could have been actually passed down from people who knew her. Yeah. But I also kind of think, like, a psychopath's a psychopath. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like at 16 or 17, if she was going to be a psychopath, she was going to be one regardless of what happened you know right there's not like i mean i'm just going to say this i have no idea if it's true there's probably not a lot of uh proof of like a traumatic experience triggering uh, actually that's not true oh okay. Uh, actually you know what i'm backtracking on that okay but that's not true there's actually this really cool series of articles on this guy who did a lot of brain image scans he Mm -hmm. was like a, a scientist and he was mapping the way that like kind of brains process in this in MRIs I think the ones that do the beautiful bright colors like mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. different parts of your brain are active when they light up yeah and then he was studying the brains of psychopaths and the brain scans of psychopaths and they were they all look exactly the same they have like big dark areas and places like that kind of would process empathy mm-hmm. and then like really like strong, like caveman brainstem ex- like a, uh, like activity. It's like, sure. it's really neat. Like the map, like you can see the maps, but the maps are like really bright and colorful and they're like really distinct. And then he did it on himself 
and he had the same brain that like no empathy sort of thing <laughs> it was just really interesting and and so his whole thesis is like it's nurture and nature so mm-hmm. he he was adopted yeah and he just had this like really great life and yeah. he's like a really successful person yeah but his he the way his brain processes things is just different than everybody else's okay anyway. but so but he also proved that a traumatic experience can knock you into that it's not necessarily a single traumatic experience uh-huh. but it's a bad environment so you are it. able to like kind of understand how to work within the world right so like an abusive environment would produce with if people with types of brains like this if yeah. they're put in an abusive environment yeah. like that could produce like this sort of thing. cool well i'm really on board with this girl having this traumatic experience in it I like the lore of right. that and then her poisoning this guy. Right. So that's, and that's I think everybody does. Okay. And that's the story that we've collectively like put into the ether. I'm fully on right? board. So that's out there. So that's like part of it. But anyway, regardless, she had a sister who had also immigrated to the U S and changed her name. And she was in contact with her and she ended up basically like, getting off that farm yeah. and going to a larger farm and just like working for three years and buying a ticket to get to Chicago. So she came cool. to Chicago. She started working as like a domestic servant. In came, what year? Uh, she came to Chicago in 1881. So okay. she was 21. Um, and then she worked at a servant girl as a servant girl there. So mm-hmm. within a year, so she married a Norwegian dude named Mad Sorensen. Uh, he was a security guard at this department store. He's like kind of upwardly mobile in terms of stuff. So she's living in this big city. Uh-huh. She marries this guy. Good job. Good job. Yeah. And they can buy a house right away in Chicago and they settle in and the house burns down. What? So, which is like a bummer, right? So right. a huge bummer. So they get like a insurance settlement. Okay. And then they're able to with the insurance settlement start uh like a candy shop and the candy shop is going they they have another house i think they're living maybe above the candy shop but they, anyway yeah. they live in the it's in the west loop so it's uh-huh. on like grand and elizabeth right which is like right in the center of like chicago right right was this before when were the chicago fires when did yeah, chicago burn down i don't know should we google it real quick i just want to know if this is like pre-Chicago Fire West Loop, which just means they're probably making great money. Or if it's after. Because Chicago, that was the thing. When Chicago burned down, they're like, oh, we have to rebuild because this is clearly going to continue to be like this economic hub. So it was 1871 when the Chicago when the Chicago fires happened. So this oh, was Oh, that early. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so at this point, the it West had Loop, just happened. Yeah. Like she got to um this is in 19, uh, 1884 is when they opened the, the Wow. So shop. she was, they were like right on the upswing. Yeah. Because was, when we took that architectural tour, I remember that part of the history. Right. Of as soon as it, that's why they have such incredible architecture in Chicago because all the best architects from across the world were like, we, like clearly we Chicago re- is going to be rebuilt. Yeah. And like, like I want my like name, you know, be stamped into this city and right. like business just like went right back to booming. Right. And like there were, and that's why there's all these different architectural styles right. too. Okay. Um, so they, rebuilt like right in the boom of rebuilding in Chicago. Cool. And, and they started a candy shop. It added, and they, so they started a candy shop yeah. and the candy shop was not doing super well, oh. unfortunately. Oh. And then the candy shop burned down. <laughs> Cause it's Chicago baby. <laughs> right. So the candy shop burned down. Right. Yeah. And, uh, 
And so they got another insurance payout, right? So then, which to be fair, absolutely was the way Chicago worked for many generations. Yeah, yeah. You build something, burn it down, get insurance. Crookedest city in the world. (laughs) So they got insurance, right? Yeah. And then they ended up just moving to Austin, Illinois. Okay. um, Which I'm assuming is like right where my grandma lives. Yeah, probably the west side of Chicago. Yeah, the west side of Chicago. Sure. Yeah. Um, So they they uh, they built a house out there. It's a Uh nice house, and they kind of continue their life. So they start to build a family, and there's Uh no proof that Bell ever gave birth to a single child, but they had hella kids. Basically, the idea is is that kind of around this time, if you were like an unwed mother or a mother who died in childbirth with young, or someone who died and had young children, like those kids were just like hella hella easily like adopted and fostered there were kids up for grabs like around uh-huh. uh so she actually had five kids at one point <laughs> <laughs> wait hold on time out were they easy are you saying that because people wanted to give the kids up or you could just be like oh there's this woman who an unmarried woman with this kid and i want to take that kid i'm gonna adopt it like was it I like think fancy giving kids up, but i mean but part of it is like this there was no social net net so like if you right, were a okay. single woman like you can't vote you right. know like you there's all these things that you can't do right it was just incre- incredibly common for a single woman to give up a child yeah. into adoption i think at, at one time. point in at least in new york like there were like limitations on how many hours women could even work because they weren't supposed to mm-hmm. be outside the home right. like it was just very very difficult for women to be able to raise a kid on their own right and and especially before like fdr and like all of these kind of social programs came up Uh that was just hard so i think there were just women who would be like a nice rich lady or a nice like well-off lady Mm -hmm. would come up and like they'd be like oh you know she can't have children like you should write her a letter she lives down the block and then you like write dear God, Miss Gunnison and the post yeah. office knows like who to give that to. <laughs> there's like five people in your town. Right. I think that that's like, that's yeah. like, they're like, would you like my child? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, I think that sounds great. Great. You know, so I think it's like, it's just way le- like not formal. Okay. So they have, so they have five kids at some point, but it's unclear whether they were adopted or birthed. They are not birthed. There's no record of them being birthed. Uh-huh. And they're kind of like the timeline is weird for like, how old they are okay um so they're for sure not birthed we don't know they're adopted fostered given stolen maybe no i don't think they were stolen but okay. th- like it was definitely like you know there's no paper trail for these kids sure so it's alex caroline uh myrtle and lucy were the th- four of the kids and those uh-huh. are all like of unknown origin and then there's one other child who's uh, <laughs> i love the idea that back in the day myrtle that was like a name that just fit in with the rest of those yeah yeah yeah. like that's the one that bit the dust out of that list of names like absolutely <laughs> okay sorry and the um, last so one? there's the last one is jenny she's the oldest and she's the only one who has a known origin her father was a merchant marine uh-huh and her mother died in childbirth and he just she was like maybe six months old or something like mm-hmm. that and he had or she died young like so she was about six months old when her when her mom died yeah and he was just like i can't i have to work i can't take her with me yeah i don't have anybody here because like you know there's ton, this network of immigrants it's like a lot of people don't have families here yet like it's still right. really early, right? You know, in the process of like when this immigration started in like 1880s coming out of Norway, yeah. there's a ton of people coming, but it's still kind of early. Yeah, so you might have a sister, but maybe not. If you haven't moved your family over, you don't have like that network of like your sure. mom and dad helping, whatever. Right. And so he knew that Bell and uh, and Sorensen were childless yeah. at the time. So he was like, "Do you want to 
keep my daughter yeah right and they're like oh that sounds great so they like kept jenny sure so he, she's the only one with a family um and then the rest of the kids are kind of just like there okay and actually at one point jenny when she was a little older her family was like we all moved to chicago we're here we would love for you to come move back in with us and she said no oh because she'd been with bell for her whole life you right. know, that's like her mom okay so she has these four kids two of them alex and uh caroline died of colitis Mm-hmm. Um, which was odd. Like kids died, you know, like there was lots of sicknesses and uh-huh. like, you know, whatever. And medicine wasn't great. Right. But it was like kind of like they were healthy kids. Yeah. And then they just like kind of got like colitis, like some sort of gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal, like GI problem. Sure. And then they both died like pretty quickly one after another. Right. Like they ripped two farts and then suddenly ended up dead. Right. So at this point, so that's what happened. So then they, they ended up dying. So he, she just had the three kids. So she had okay. Jenny and then the two little girls, Myrtle and Lucy. So they're progressing. They have this big family. They're chilling. They did have two tragic deaths, but mm-hmm. I don't know, like, for, with the kids that they either stole, borrowed, or whatever. Well, and her and the original guy that beat her up at the dance also died from stomach issues. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm. I'm so put, just like kind of okay, like great. keep that in your mind. Great. 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 I've great. got pieces of this puzzle. I don't know if they're going to go together to make the same picture, but they're definitely pieces of puzzle. So they're hanging out. You know, eighteen nineties ish. Yeah, like just in the chilling. Eighteen nineties. They're chilling. They're living in Chicago. Living life. Living the dream. How are they making money at this point? I think he's being a security guard again. Okay. She's raising the family, right? God, the good old days when a security, one person could have a security guard job and they could have five kids in a house. I know, it's just insane. It's like, that's because there was like eight people in the US. This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is like so easy. It's just like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some stuff I definitely wouldn't trade. Like, I don't know. No. Everything. Yeah, right. But I mean, <laughs> it is crazy to think yeah. like that. They're just like, it's stuff. And people are like, well, I'll just take that thing. That's great. Nobody's right. going to be here to take it. Great. I'll take it. Yeah. 50 cents. Um, <laughs> so Mad Sorensen had a life insurance policy okay. on him. And it was a, it was basically like worth about $3,000. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of kids and, and they had had these like fires. Right. Mm-hmm. So bell kind of was like, I, want you to take out a second life insurance policy. I want, this one's not enough. I want you to get a new one. Right. So she wanted to him to get, take one that was like around $5,000. Right. She's like, I need to be taken care of. If you die, the kids die. I mean, not the kids die, but the kids and I want to be taken care of if you die. And he's like, okay, okay. So he takes out this $5,000 life insurance policy. There's one day on July 30th, 1890 that they're chilling and the life insurance policies overlap. The old one is still valid and the new one has just begun. So now there's $8,000 on Mad's head. And that sucker died. (laughs) (laughs) So he died, right? Okay, how? Hella died. Uh, They say a brain hemorrhage, you know, so whatever. (laughs) She's like freaked out. He died, right? Okay. So then she collects uh, $85,000, both policies, $8,500. Yeah. That in American money, do you yeah. know how much that is? No, no idea. A quarter of a million dollars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So right away, she's got two dead kids and a dead husband. So right away, the family of Mads Sorensen yeah. is like, we want an inquest into his death. We want this to be taken care right. of, right? So they go and they say, okay, okay, we got we got to look into this guy's <laughs> death. So they dig him up uh-huh. to like look at him. And they start to do an autopsy and the 
corner says, I'll only look at the contents of the stomach for $300. And the family was like, that's like $50,000. Yeah, right. <laughs> like it's way too much money. Yeah. So they went through all the effort of digging this fool up out of the ground and didn't do the one thing. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fucked up. The only thing they could have told if he got poisoned, it's like the only, if they were going to autopsy anything yeah, right. that they thought was foul play, it should have yeah. been his stomach. Yeah, they were right. like, we'll do the brain, but the stomach oh my god that is that's some now that's some chicago businessman i know and so they ended up not doing it they just buried him again (laughs) brutal and and so at this point all her neighbors are just like who the fuck is this lady this is out of control Uh her kids died of like stomach yeah her husband died of brain like you know what i mean like they're also like it's still that like it's a witch mentality you know what i mean because those things could have happened to somebody Right. But because science is not really a thing at the time. Yeah. Like if he had gotten hit by like a a buggy or like, you know, gotten smallpox, they would have been like, oh, that's tragic. Yeah, right. But they're like stomach, stomach, brain. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. Like that's insane. (laughs) And that's not even counting the stomach from back in Norway. Yeah. When she was 16. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. So she's out here. She's like, okay. (laughs) Like she's like going around her neighbors being like, I can't believe Mads is dead. I'm so upset. And nobody believed her. Like it's just, she went like door to door and people were just like not feeling yeah, her. Right. And so she got kind of like, whatever she decided to leave. So she sold her, sold her house mm-hmm. and took the remaining three kids. That's Myrtle, Lucy and Jenny and used the money to buy a pig farm in LaPorte, Indiana. Oh, so God. she packs everybody up. And drives out to LaPorte, Indiana to get this pig farm, right? <laughs> so when she gets to the pig farm, she gets established. It's a big farm. I'm already thinking that's who you feed your bodies to. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> so yeah, right. it's a big ass farm, right? And you do need people to help you and it does cost money, but it does make money. So right. it's like, it's, and, and. She's a businesswoman. Right. She's a businesswoman. We'll kind of get into this a little bit later, but like. I really tried to kind of like do some, my due diligence to Uh figure out property ownership for women in this era, Uh but it changed so much right around this era that Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to know. And it's all state by state. So it's a little difficult, but generally speaking, even though laws were changing and things were getting more progressive in a lot of ways, single women had more property rights than married women because when married women got married, a big bulk of, the financial decisions were kind of like owned by the men. Sure. Laws were passing like, you know, you need my consent to sell my property. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, maybe 20 years or 30 years before this, if I got married to you, anything that I make made at my job would technically be owned by you. Right. And any of my marital assets and any of the things that I inherited. Yeah, just another component of the good old days. Right, exactly. That sounds pretty tight. Yeah, so you would own like all my, everything that <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, you'd go off teacher improv classes. That money would be mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People sign up. You know, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Sick, right? yeah, 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 very tight. It's an interesting thing because I think in some ways you get more rights as a married woman because you can like get loans and stuff like that. But then in other ways, it's kind of like better to be a single woman. Like, sure. So it's kind of interesting writing that line. Anyway, right. so she's like now a widowed woman with three children and a farm to write, like run. And so she's on this, but she does have half of a quarter of a million dollars in life insurance money. (laughs) So she has like a lot of money already. She runs into this guy that she used to know 
uh, he had just been recently widowed. He was a butcher. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a match made in heaven. Obviously, it's like pig farm. He's a butcher. So his name is Peter Gunness. So this is like basically when Belle Gunness was born. Like sure. She's got her American name. Yeah. She's got her last name. She's Belle Gunness, yeah. right? She's gotten um, away with murdering people. <laughs> so far. So far, right? Yeah. So then uh, she marries Peter Gunness and he's widowed and he has two young daughters. One of them is swan hilda which is another one of these hilarious <laughs> things and the other one is lucy so we're calling her lucy too so okay. there's swan hilda and lucy lucy's the baby got it um so she swan they get married within basically two months of kind of like reconnecting you uh-huh. like see she has a pig farm <laughs> yeah got right. a couple daughters match made in heaven he's got these two kids he can't take care of right now they can like raise pigs he can butcher them it's like a perfect pairing yeah so he he hooks up with her and then literally uh, within a month, Lucy Two's dead. <laughs> so the baby dies and everybody's baby like, dies. yeah, so people are like a month. Yeah, <laughs> so right. that's the third kid she had that died. Same thing, like, like butt stuff or whatever, like colitis, like no, oh. no reason. Right. Right. Like just kind of like, oh, she died. Yeah. Right. Know. Which to her you know defense defense that happened all the time i mean it's like not like there there's stuff that happened to babies it's not like the greatest time like infant mortality is high right Right. it's like 1890 or something right and then eight months later (laughs) oh no eight months later peter's dead (laughs) (laughs) so the story of peter's dying (laughs) so she gets to meet him two months later they're married one month later his kid's dead and then two months later, or eight months later, uh, Peter's dead. The butcher got hacked. Butcher got hacked. So what her story is, this is the most amazing thing. So uh-huh. this is the story of his of his death. So Bell says that he was out working, and he came in to warm himself by the stove because it was a hard day. He's working. It was very hard. Okay. And she had a pot of sausage brine. So when Ooh. you make a sausage, you know, you like, yeah. you like poach it in this brine to like cook sure. it, right? Mm-hmm. So she had the sausage brine on the pot of sausage brine big boiling pot of like water and salt delicious and he uh was trying to change his shoes he wanted to put on slippers like mr rogers yeah. and he knocked the pot of brine and it fell on his head or <laughs> fell on his neck and scalded his neck okay so he stood up really quick like ah you know like startled yeah and then knocked the meat grinder off the top shelf and it fell on his head <laughs> And killed him. This is what Bell said. Well, no, this is what Bell said. So Bell goes, it fell on his head, and he was just like not feeling well. And so I was like, I think it's good for you to go to bed. And she put him in bed, and she checked on him all day. And like, you know, like later into the afternoon, she like thinks he's not doing very well. Mm-hmm. So then she tells her like one of her kids to run across the street and get the doctor. So they run get the doctor. The doctor comes in, examines um, Peter Gunness, and. Uh, he says, not only is he dead, but he's been dead for hell long. <laughs> like days like or at hours? Least a, like hours, but okay. like maybe a day. Like he's like, this guy's like dead, dead, <laughs> yeah, dead. Right, like right. not just died. Yeah, right. He's been lying dead for hella. Yeah. And they're like, well, I don't know, right? So he's like, this is obviously like messed up. And the doctor says he's like super suspicious. And he's like, this, he's like, there's some fuckery afoot. This is not working, right? 
when Gunnis died, she got another $3,000 in insurance yeah. <laughs> and local people, like all her neighbors were just like, he's a butcher. He's not that clumsy. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, he's not going to knock the sausage brine <laughs> on his head and then knock a meat grinder meat on grinder. his head. So the neighbors like are key to this story. The neighbors are like, like, no, it sounds like a Leslie Nielsen playing a butcher in like a naked gun movie. Yeah. 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 And I think like across the board, like I think also like a common thing is like, the neighbors are always right. It's like, that's why we listen to these murder podcasts. Like the neighbors right. are like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like right. obviously it didn't happen. And the, the, like the police are just like, I don't know. Yeah. It's your word against hers. <laughs> and like nothing else. Like, so the neighbors were all like, obviously he didn't die like this. Like this is insane. And he was like a really, he was known to be this like awesome, like butcher. It's like, there's no way he did this. And so the district coroner actually came and then like, sat down reviewed the case and the police all came and then they looked at it and the district coroner basically said unequivocally this is a murder like this guy was bashed in the back of the head it's like clearly a murder yeah and so he kind of like convened a jury to look into the matter and the jury was just like you can't prove anything like mm -hmm. there's just no way like everyone's suspicious the neighbors think she did it that's what the legal system was <laughs> yeah the right. coroner's like no 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 he got killed they're like how do you know he could have, it could have fallen on his head. And he's like, I don't know. I just know. They're like, <laughs> yeah, right. They're like, well, that's not good enough. So she just basically gets away with it. You seems like at the time too, they should be able to prove like the force that would cause this kind of a damage to the back of the head would need to be like brought with, you know, this much speed or you know what I mean? Like the torque would, right. would require whatever. I and then it's like, if this is how high the shelf was, and if you were to drop a meat grinder off from this shelf, there's no way that that thing could like, it seems like, I'm sure like that there was that's, already Isaac Newton at the time. I'm sure know? that that's true. I just don't know like how true that is for people in Laporte, Indiana. You know what I mean? Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, think that there's like there's a Sherlock Holmes in like Scotland Yard, <laughs> and there's like like crazy like detectives in like New York and like Chicago and yeah, stuff. Right. But I think in Laporte, Indiana, like people are just like this was before the the like the stories and started with like some like uh you know poor FBI agent doing like the long Twins Peak drive out to the middle of nowhere, and he's like picking up his like local clues and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like, but it's like that's job. not existing right, right now. That's not it. like okay. a real thing. Okay. So they basically, with all of that, the coroner and the doctor were like, obviously this lady killed him. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, I didn't kill him. And they're like, well, she says she didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so she got away with that. But Peter's brother, Gust, came down from Wisconsin and basically like abducted his other child, yeah. Hilda, and just took her back to Wisconsin. And that was the only child that Belle actually cared for that actually survived into adulthood. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> was God. The one that the, the, the brother like drove down and picked her up. And just like took her in the middle of the night. So like, all the other kids eventually died. Yeah, that's the only one that ever survived. <laughs> oh God! All right, <laughs> so we're just getting picked <laughs> off one by one, right? Okay. Okay. It's ad time, y'all. This episode is brought to you by our newest Patreon members. Johnny M and Kelsey L. Oh, we love you guys. If you are a regular listener of this podcast and you get some value out of it, please consider going to patreon.com slash Ella in your thirties and joining the Patreon mafia. And as an extra incentive, we have a $3 a month tier open until November 4th. So sign up and snag one of those $3 a month tiers while you can. That's right. I guess what you get as an incentive 
If you are liking the murders, we are dropping three Patreon exclusive Muriel Murders episodes this Halloween weekend. That's right. Okay, so hit us up. We love you. And now back to the episode. I also wanted to say that, so I did do some research, obviously, into like the rights of women and stuff like that. And like, remember, like, can't vote. And there's all this kind of like marital property stuff that's, you know, has benefits and drawbacks to being married. Mm -hmm. But I actually was looking at this and I just stumbled across this statistic that I thought was in fucking saying that I didn't know is that women couldn't own credit cards in their own name without their husband's signature. They couldn't own them until 1974. (laughs) Did you know that? That like I couldn't get a credit card. Like my mom wouldn't have been able to get a credit card in 1974. I didn't even know credit cards existed in 1974. I mean, they did. And that like a, a married right. woman couldn't get one unless her husband signed for it. And a single woman couldn't legally couldn't get one. I did not. No, know that's that. crazy. I also know that in the eighties when uh, my mom was telling me when uh, she worked in restaurants that you'd have to look up a credit card number in a phone book. Oh, that's like that's crazy. how they work. There wasn't like a swipe thing and the internet takes it somewhere. Yeah, it right, was like right. this whole other process. I mean, that is very crazy, but also I think the women's rights thing is a little crazier. <laughs> Uh, I also Uh. found out that uh, women couldn't, uh, they also couldn't serve on a jury in like all, in all 50 states until like the eighties. Like, like they just couldn't do it. Some states you could, but like not in all 50 states and that spousal rape, meaning like your husband, you know, whatever it wasn't criminalized until 1993. Yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, I literally didn't, I didn't realize like I just, I that those statistics are just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, I tried really hard to find more stuff about property rights. Couldn't find it. Found a bunch of stuff that made me really mad. <laughs> Continuing. Uh, uh, okay. okay, so we're okay. gonna go really quick. We're gonna touch yeah. base with the story of Belle's oldest daughter. Uh-huh. In quotes, right? The one that the mer- Merchant Marine is her father. Yeah. I think I have messed up her name like eighty times, but her name is Jenny. So okay. that's like Jenny is the one that. Her family wanted her back. She said no. Whatever. Yeah. I think you said that part right. Yeah. Okay. So Jenny, at that point, kind of fell in love with a farmhand um, at some point. Very classic. Very classic. And, you know, they're kind of like, they have this great relationship. It's blossoming. They're very good friends. Very, very close. And one day, Belle comes to the farmhand and she says, oh, you know, I sent Jenny to a finishing school in California. So she's gone. She's going to be gone for years. And that's like a pl- that's like college f- to teach a girl how to like be an American wife. I think so. Like how to like dress and cook. And yeah, it's, it's like-, like boarding school, but then you learn like hella other like wifey things, I think. So she's yeah. like, oh, well, I sent her to finishing school. She's not coming back. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. guy is like heartbroken. So can I write her letters? I'd love to see her. And he's like, she's like, no, but if you want to write her letters, you can post, th- give them to me. I'll post them. So that goes on for a while. And, sh- and you know, obviously the kid never gets a letter back. Right. So. Mm-hmm. The kid is like heartbroken and he just like ends up moving to New Mexico, goes out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And so she needs a new farmhand. She hires a guy named Ray Lamphere who will come into the picture later. Right? Okay. So basically after her husband died of meat grinder, Belle Gunness decides she still, she was like going to look for some men, right? She, she's yeah. looking for a partner. Still. Yeah. So she basically writes to the local paper and she puts out an ad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's like three. She puts out an ad in three different papers, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> good, 
good old fashioned. Uh, what are the dating apps called? I don't even know what they're called anymore. Bumble or some shit. Bumble or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a great example of like lore. So there are two versions of the ad. One people swear by and the other one people swear <laughs> by. So, one is like looking for new husband to murder. Right. It's literally like that. So they she goes into the like basically she goes into the matrimony section of the newspaper. She sends this want ad out yeah. in the matrimony section. So one ad that they say that she sent is comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in laporte county indiana desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes no replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with a personal visit triflers need not apply <laughs> which i love yeah, right. and then the second one that they say like for sure is one yeah uh, it's wanted woman who owns a beautifully located and valuable farm in a first class condition wants a good and reliable man as partner in same some little cash is required and will be furnished first class security so like the idea is like one is like, oh, I love you yeah, so much. Right. You're looking, I'm very beautiful, right? <laughs> and the other one is like, woman with farm wants money, right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's, yeah. like, it's like one is so much more romantic uh, than the other. I hope, I, if I was on the dr- dating app, at least for one day, I would change my little uh, bio line to triflers need not apply. <laughs> <laughs> triflers need not apply. Uh, so basically she's put up this ad, whichever uh, one it was. And hell, a man wrote back. Uh, fuck yeah, yeah, I would. Well, and like part of it is that, like in that region, there were just so many Norwegian immigrants mm-hmm. who have like maybe a little bit of money, yeah. who want to own land, yeah. who would love to be married to like a successful Norwegian woman and yeah. a farm, right? Like it's like that's kind of like a dream thing, yeah, right. back then. And they're all single, and they're all pretty much alone. Right. Like they're immigrating alone. The idea is you stake your fortune, you start to make your money and then you bring your, and then family, you bring your over. family over. So yeah. these are all guys at the beginning of that journey. Right. And there's tons of them coming over right. from uh, Norway. Probably so, more men immigrating than women. Oh, for guess. sure. Yeah, yeah. Tons more. Okay. And so like a woman her age who's established, yeah. who wants to get married, join fortunes. It's like yeah, that's right. like that is the dream. Right. So tons of men wrote back. And the mechanism is basically they write to the paper and then the paper gives the envelopes to Belle and then Belle kind of responds to them in, on her own. That's like how it happened in Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. When, uh, all the ladies wrote to the radio station right. to try to get Tom Hanks digits. Right, right. Okay, but like, they don't give away the address right. or whatever. Okay. So she, they do that with her and she is like cock of the walk, like preening mm-hmm. herself she gets letters every day yeah she makes this huge big deal about it yeah. she goes down to the post office like the post office will come deliver her letters yeah and then she'll come down a few hours later and be like mm, do i have any more mail today? <laughs> <laughs> like really That's like so ridiculous yeah. like hella baller right yeah <laughs> so when she sent the guys the letters they yeah. were like she had this really specific list of sort of instructions for them <laughs> so she would write them these letters and she would say you know, you need to sell everything you have and leave it all behind. Um, she wants them to only bring cash and then just be like a lot of flowery language about like, oh, I just want you to come be my partner. Just yeah. bring your cash, sell everything behind. I want <laughs> sure. you to come bring your partner. Don't tell anyone where you're going and stow your cash in your underwear in case someone tries to rob you. <laughs> so she's literally writing these letters yeah. to these four dudes and they're like, okay. And they like <laughs> no. withdraw all their money, put it in their underwear and like come to be like married, yeah. right? So they're like, they basically at this point, like 
all these dudes disappear. Like there's just like records of these guys. <laughs> yeah. Like go, they disappear. Like most of the time, no one like meets them, but they do like occasionally she'd be like, Oh, this is my cousin, blah, blah, blah. And then occasionally she'd take them to the bank. And so bankers would meet these guys who would then withdraw a bunch of money <laughs> yeah. and then give it to her and then yeah. they'd leave and they'd never see the guy. Again. Right. Okay. So that's what I'm saying about this thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. how is that not suspicious? There's like eight <laughs> people in your town. Yeah. And right. there's this dude and they just keep disappearing. Yeah. You know, it's like, what? And she's rich, right? She keeps getting richer. <laughs> so she's got all this money. <laughs> it's like this pig farm is actually, there's no, not even any pigs left. How is she? How does she keep getting money? She's just like, and then like occasionally maybe a family member would be like, have you seen this guy? And she's like, I'm sorry, I've never even met this guy. Yeah. Like she's writing this. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think the idea that's really crazy about her is like with lots of serial killers, there's this escalation, you know, of killing mm -hmm. where like the killing gets out of control or there's some kind of drive to kill. Yeah. And with her, it was just like so transactional. Uh -huh. Like it really was like kind of this system. Right. Mm -hmm. And like she already found out like, oh, insurance pays out a shit ton of money. Yeah. And all of her kids were insured. You know, yeah. when they died. So they, she got some money for the, yeah. each kid that died. And then her husband. So she's like, yeah. and then she got hella money from the fires. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so she's like figuring out like as the fire starts, she's like, oh, yeah. Okay, I get money for insurance for these yeah. like, buildings. Yeah, yeah. What if this guy dies? Yeah, right. And then the husband dies. She's like, oh, I get even more money for a person. Yeah. And so then she does that a couple times, maybe does it with a kid or two. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just experimenting with the youth. Right. See and how then, that works and out. And then she just takes out an ad. And yeah. then she just starts bringing people <laughs> to this farm, right? So there's all these people. So at this point, like, there's no evidence, whatever. Okay. What do you so, mean all these people? How many? Do you know how I'll many? I'll tell you at the end. Because okay. that's like, it's okay. whatever. Okay. And then, so there's, but there's dudes coming in and out of the sounds. So then this is the next part. It's like, they talk about what she's like in general, like, you know, her description, which I haven't really talked a lot about. This yeah. is my favorite description. I don't know if this is lore, but you see it popped up a lot of places. Uh, my favorite one. Basically, she was over five foot eight and they estimated her to weigh around 200 pounds. So uh -huh. especially for that day and age, Huge. she was like a big woman, yeah. right? Like she's a big, strong, big ass woman. Yeah. And there was a man named Clyde Sturgis who was a, like a driver for like deliveries and stuff uh -huh. like that. And he says she started ordering hella giant trunks and he would bring the trunks to her and she would literally lift them quote like boxes of marshmallows <laughs> yeah. and then toss her toss them, tossing them onto her wide shoulders and carrying them into the house. <laughs> Uh, and then they say like she used to keep the shutters of the house closed all the time mm -hmm. and then people would like who would buy her house would like catch her at night digging in the hog pen so like that's like that's she sounds like the principal from the matilda yeah yeah, yeah. Matilda, this yeah big ass scary lady a straight up roll doll character yeah yeah so anyway that's like the idea is like she's just hella big hella strong working on her <laughs> yeah. pig farm Hella secretive. Yeah. And then like getting tons of letters from from <laughs> the like the post office. Yeah, right? just accumulating wealth. Yeah. So she's like a crazy, like <laughs> like just a crazy monster. She's yeah. hella rich. Yeah. She like owns a farm. She and she is like super popular in this matrimony column. So she gets letters every day. Okay, great. Right. And marches yeah. into the post office. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's so funny. So there's so the her hired hand, uh -huh. Ray Lamphere falls in love with her right so he's just like completely in love with her oh he loves God. her he loves her big crazy ass <laughs> loves her allegedly he like he does a lot of work for her right like uh -huh. there could be some 
I there's a lot of speculation as to how much he was involved with the disappearance of these guys. Sure. But he's like around, right? He did all the work on the farm. He basically like she like pretty much had sex with him a few times and he was like positive they were going to get married. Uh-huh. And she was like literally not having it. But all these guys kept coming to the property, right? And he would get like super super jealous. So he started acting hella crazy and like uh-huh. confronting people, like throwing these huge fits, like blowing up her spot basically. Yeah. So she had him she fired him uh-huh. and he had a complete meltdown. So he's like coming to the farm, like confronting people, acting crazy. And she had him arrested four separate times for trespassing. And then eventually she went to the sheriff yeah. and she was like, he needs to be committed because he's mentally unstable and a menace to the public. Yeah. So they literally had, they love having these hearings. <laughs> so like they, she convinced the police to it's hold a communal gossip I circle. Mean, it's just like ridiculous. <laughs> like, like these people are talking shit. What the, side are you on? The corners, the corners, like she murdered him. And they're like, well, let's have a hearing. And they're like, I don't think so. <laughs> so they had this hearing. It's a sanity hearing for uh-huh. him. And he passed it because they said he was pretty slow, but fine. <laughs> you know, it's just that it just always boggles my mind. It's like the worse a person is, the more, maniacal their lovers are for them you know what i, know. I mean yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like like the most horrible people get the most passionately devoted passionate, devoted yeah. lovers yeah you know and then like boring people like us are like oh yeah no we love each other no we don't like cheat on each other we've never like broken the windows i get just mad like, at you and you like <laughs> say something about twitter <laughs> <laughs> It's just like a boring, nice couple. Meanwhile, if I was like, if you were murdering people, I'd be like, you know, helping you bury their bodies or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, like, like you know, gets like. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah, so basically, like, he's he passes this insanity hearing. <laughs> They're like, he's kind of dumb, but he's definitely not, but he's definitely <laughs> I sane. I also just am like, like, like you also have to surround yourself with people who are like that, like kind of sycophantic and like slow and like, yeah, I love you. you know? <laughs> like, there's just something about that. That's such, such a weird existence. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she hires another guy to help around Joe Maxson and then moves on with her life. Basically during this time period, she typically writes these letters to guys and they come like right away and they follow her instructions. And that's just basically been the, Heart backbeat like that's how things have been happening yeah. so she does meet this other guy named um andrew helgelian right so andrew and bell ended up like writing letters to each other over the period of two years whoa so how'd she meet him she just through the ad through the ads yeah. oh and she just but oh, okay. he's like way more cautious and he's like mm-hmm. way more and he's super established he has more money oh. and his family like lives in north dakota like he has like, right. uh, like a unit so right? she's like i got a big fish on the line here i'm gonna have to be real Reel careful in. Reel in a minute. yeah okay. yeah and i think also like these other guys they're lonely and they're desperate right you know and she and one of these guys he's single but he does have a support network yeah. right so they write over like the course of a couple of years and he decides he's going to come see her, but he refuses to follow any of her instructions. So he does wire his money to the LaPointe bank, but he doesn't take it with him. Like he doesn't bring cash. Mm-hmm. He also told his family where he was going. So uh-huh. he's told his brother and sister, I'm going to go check out this prospect. Yeah. Being married. I've been writing to her for years or whatever. So he shows up to the LaPorte bank with her and he, he like meets her and they go to the bank together like right away. And <laughs> which is just like, okay, okay. And then they get to the bank. Uh, she sounds like the strippers I used to work with. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you want to dance? Great. Yeah, let's go talk to my manager about getting you some cash real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, okay, I guess. You know, like, so they're getting along, right? But he's like, okay. So he goes to the bank with her and she says, 
um, great, you wired the money. I want to, I think you need to take out all the cash today so we can kind of just meld our money together. Yeah. And the bank employee, like the guy who's giving out the money, yeah. the tel- you know, like the bank boss guy, he's like, I really, really suggest you not take out all of this money. It's a lot of money. And he, and, uh, you know, Andrew is also like hesitant about it. And they're yeah. kind of, so, so it creates this kind of like, not a scene but this kind of thing that like lots of people remember and lots of people witness right it was like a huge uproar and like this illinois bank is like he actually second guessed him and then then they were in slight disagreement for a split second yeah right meanwhile everyone's like hushed in the bank like yeah yeah because there's eight people who live in the (laughs) town it's like that lady is like i mean she's massive and she's like give me all your money right so he but he ends ends up doing it right he gets the money and then no one in town ever sees him again like the next day he's gone so andrew obviously does doesn't come back home and his brother Azel gets worried right he's like kind of worried about it so he's like what Azel's a great name I know <laughs> Azel Helgelian uh, uh he gets a little like nervous about it he doesn't quite know what's going on so he goes over to his brother Andrew's house and he finds like these letters he's mm-hmm. like going through his stuff and he finds these letters it's like 80 letters yeah and he finds this last letter is from Belle they all are and he says to the dearest friend in the world no woman is in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person. And you, I like better than anyone in the world. I know. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world. We will be all alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly. When I hear your name mentioned, and and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song, it is beautiful to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture to you. My Andrew, I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. <laughs> right? So he's like, what the fuck? That was really in and out of good writing and bad writing. I know. He's like, my heart beats with rapture. It's like, okay, that sounds like some old timey writing. Because back then people actually could, knew how to use yeah, words. Right, yeah. Then she's like, <laughs> the other sentence is like, what could be nicer? Yeah, I like things. <laughs> you uh, are the one that I like. <laughs> so Azel is like, what is this yeah, up to? Okay. So he goes, okay. So he finds the letter and he's like, he gets her address off the letter and he writes to her and he's like, where's my brother like he reads this passionate yeah, letter right. and bell says i don't know who you're talking about oh my god <laughs> so come on bell get your act together <laughs> she's like what what guy oh him oh you know he he stopped by for a minute but then he left <laughs> and Hazel's like what and she's like, oh yeah yeah he's gone and he's like i'm going to come to laporte and i am going to figure out where he yeah. is and she's like she's like oh well you know I mean, I can help you arrange a search party if you want, but, you know, just pay me. You just have to... (laughs) (laughs) She has to pay for her to organize it. He's like, uh, I don't know. So he calls the sheriff and he, like, goes to, you know, Andrew's bank records. He, like, finds that he's transferred all this money to this Laporte bank. Sure. And she's like, you know, he must be gone. I have no idea. So he ends up writing letters to the sheriff's department, which good for you, but they're not that good. (laughs) (laughs) And like, he basically is like writing her and he says, I wrote the sheriff. Obviously he came to Laporte. Obviously he's seen you. And obviously no one has heard from him since. And this is not like him. Yeah. And so she basically freaks, right? Uh, She gets super, super spooked. Meanwhile, also Ray Lamphere is still like 
hanging around being like complete nuisance of like talking shit to the neighbors. And he's like, he's just like a complete weirdo. So like Ray's in here and like definitely there is a chance that Ray like did a bunch of shit for her, you know? Uh So like he's a wild card for her. And then you have uh, Azel who's like definitely coming down and is pissed and has hella evidence, right? right? So she gets freaked. And everyone's blowing up her spot. So she goes and finds this um, this lawyer. And she comes to him and she says, Ray Lim Fears says he's threatening to kill me and burn down my house. He's so mad that I won't marry him. I'm so terrified. I want to write a will. So she writes a will, leaving all of her money to her children. Mm-hmm. And then she like takes out some money to pay the mortgage off on her house. And she like, but for some reason she doesn't tell the police that Ray is threatening her. She doesn't say anything to police. She just goes to this lawyer. Got and tells it. I see what you're saying. Right. So yeah, she doesn't right. say I'm afraid for my life. She yeah. just says, I need a will. Yeah. I need to do all this stuff. Right. So she gets all that settled. She comes home and this is all kind of told from the perspective of her hired man, Joe Maxson, because he like lives in the house with them and like helps her with the farm, right? Oh, okay. Um, so that's just like one. He, that oh, was, the like, new guy that replaced right, Ray. Got right, it. Right. Right. So yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. he's the new guy and yeah. he's like doing that. So they usually have dinner together. Mm-hmm. And he says she came home and they made this, she made this like giant, beautiful dinner. Mm-hmm. And then they all like sat around and sang songs and played games, which I was just like, <laughs> what a weird life. It's so yeah, weird. Right. And then he's like, and yeah. it was this really, special night and at the very end of the night she came out and she gave everyone an orange (laughs) (laughs) Um, right and which probably in reality was a very exotic gift from a far-off land at the time exactly right Right. when you're just sitting there like what hilarious like i mean it is funny to think about like i'm gonna murder countless men and steal all their money so i can lavish so i can live in like luxury and lavish my family with one orange at the right end exactly of <laughs> it's like what uh, <laughs> no hot tubs no cool cars no fancy dresses <laughs> no going to the town square and you know buying the best hat just no, in from Paris. No, she's saving all her money. No, no, no. Yeah, and we'll like, just... here's your orange. It probably costs like $45. Uh, however, also yeah. in retrospect, uh, Joe Maxson says he's pretty positive all the oranges were poisoned. Oh, God. <laughs> so that's another thing. Okay. So the night progresses, right? Okay. <laughs> this is a little like harbinger to what's to come. Yeah. So basically, uh, on April 28th in 1908, Joe Maxson is lying in bed. And he wakes up and the house is like totally full of smoke, uh-huh. right? So the house is burning. Yeah. And he's he was super drowsy after eating the orange. He was <laughs> like, but he and he he didn't like he didn't finish it. Yeah. He was just like, that's super weird. Yeah. He ate like one slice and was like, I'm not gonna. Do this. <laughs> this tastes like poison. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so he's like the one guy who's like, mm, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah. Everyone else is like, ah, oranges. Uh, <laughs> These are from Florida. <laughs> so he like wakes up and there's smoke everywhere. And because he's a hired dude, his room is in the house, but it's like locked up, kind of locked out, has a separate entrance the from the main house. Servants' quarters or kind some of, shit. Yeah. yeah. So like he can't go into the main house. But yeah. he So he's like, trying to get out, can't get out. So he has to go all the way around the outside of the house and yeah. get to the front because he's trying to wake everybody up to get them out of the fire. Right. And the fire is like 
raging. Uh-huh. It's like crazy bad. So he's like grabbing neighbors and they run over and somebody manages to actually get in the house uh-huh. and they run to where the bedrooms are and nobody's in the beds. Hmm. So they're like, and it's too hot to like find them. You know what I mean? Like at that point. Right. He's like, if they here, they're not, we gotta go. Yeah, exactly. Right. So they go and they try to get the fire department. Obviously it's like 1908. So like that takes like eight hours for them <laughs> yeah. to get there. Yeah. And then they get there and the whole house is burned down. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, uh, God damn it. It's all burned to the ground. And then in the corner of the basement, it's a, are the bodies of the three children and the body of a headless woman. So in the corner, You've got a body, a woman's body lying there, no head, and three children, and they're all dead. Were they were the chil- were the children the her three children? Yeah, yeah, and hurt. were they stabbed or what? what no, they're they burned go- to death. Oh, they're like burned oh. in the corner of the basement. So okay. the whole house burns down. Oh, uh, okay. Some reason they're not in their bed. They're all like lined up on the floor of the basement. Okay. In the corner. Got right? it. Which is odd. Not to mention a grown adult woman with no head. Yeah. So somehow, like, they were like, oh, the fire burned down. The guys, they died. Well, they, they burned down. Well, they're not in their beds. That's weird. Oh, they find them in the basement, but Belle's head is literally gone. So, like, she's headless, right? <laughs> so everybody's like, where is Ray Lamphere? Yeah, right? Everybody's uh-huh. like, where is this guy? He's super, like, super suspect. The lawyer is like, calls immediately to the police and they arrest him like on the spot. And mm-hmm. Ray, Ray Lamphere is just like, what is happening? Right. So. <laughs> So meanwhile, kind of right after this, the bank where uh, Andrew Helgelian yeah. was last seen, yeah. you know, Azel has been in contact with them and stuff like that. So they immediately write Azel and they say, hey, the house is burned down yeah. and she's dead. Like, you got to get in here quick yeah. and like see if you can find figure out what's going on with your brother. <laughs> yeah. Right. So he's like jumps on the first train, comes straight down and he goes to the rubble with Joe Maxson. Right. And they're looking around. They don't really find anything. And he's just like, I know that something's wrong. I yeah. know my brother is missing. I yeah. think he's here. So he comes back the next day and he asked Joe, no police, by the way. No <laughs> yeah. He asked Joe, did you ever help her bury like garbage or anything yeah. like that? And Joe is like, oh yeah, actually I did like pretty recently. And I, I, like we used to bury the garbage in this like kind of area. Yeah. And he's like, okay. So they go down and there's like kind of a bunch of like places where obviously the garbage has been buried on the property with uh-huh. these like depressed holes. And, you know, they they uncover like a bunch of like fish heads and cans and then they find this burlap sack and they open it and inside is uh two hands, two feet, and Andrew Helgelian's head. <laughs> <laughs> so he just opens it and it's like, oh no, <laughs> Right. So Andrew's in there. Uh, so they like kind of Andrew's are like. Andrew's in the bag. Andrew's in the bag. They're just like, fuck, that's drastic. I just think that's like, he's like, well, maybe my brother's buried in the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, you don't even get to like examine the bones. It's just yeah. His right. It's just his face. Yeah. It's like, is this his thumbprint? It's like, those, that, those, that's his face. That's his head. That's his whole head. <laughs> that's his entire uh, head. So they find it. And then they go back. And then the sheriff's like, what? I'm waking up, bro. <laughs> so they go and they start digging. So right under Andrew's sack is a sack with all of uh, Jenny's body parts. So Jenny just got hacked up and put in this. Oh, too, right? God. And then underneath her, they find three bodies. Right? Yeah. And then underneath that, they find 13 more bodies. Oh, my God. It's not even the end of it. <laughs> so, like, they find, like, hella bodies, right? Yeah. But they cannot find Belle's head anyway. And they're positive it's Belle's big five foot eight body well we'll get to that okay so they're like where the fuck is her head they cannot find her head and there's heads 
everywhere. Like, so that's the other part of it. <laughs> yeah. She was basically, you know, she learned how to butcher from her husband, right? She must have learned that pretty quick because he was not around. It takes a Eight butcher months. apprenticeship <laughs> is like four years. I don't think she was that good, but <laughs> she definitely dismembered these bodies yeah. like to like this crazy degree. Like, and so her kind of MO I think she just thought it would help somehow or whatever. Yeah. Is she cut off everybody's heads. So they're finding sacks of body parts and they found 13 intact bodies. But on the property, they found hella heads. Like yeah. more heads than bodies. Yeah. They found like, they, she used to take them and like put them in a septic part of the outhouse. So like the poop part of a porta potty. Uh-huh. So like that was like full of heads. <laughs> there were heads like all over the property. They just kept finding these heads. Yeah. And she would stuff like the, the like quicklime in the ears like so like they're just like really what's quicklime it's just like something that helps dissolve bodies so like they find these heads and they have like quicklime in their ears and like <laughs> yeah. they're all like dismembered so there's heads everywhere right yeah and they can't find bells meanwhile ray is still in jail right yeah a bunch of neighbors come to the house and they're just like that cannot be bell she was about five foot three like 120 pounds this body oh, this bo- headless yeah. body they're yeah. like i just they were basically like, I just don't think it's her. Like, yeah. cause the neighbors are just literally know what's up. Well, and, and also they just are using their eyes. And yeah. Like, right. And the police have already been like, well, it's Belle. I've <laughs> yeah. got to find her head. <laughs> meanwhile, there's heads all over the property. It's like, nah, maybe that's not Belle's body. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. So then they get her dressmaker and the dressmaker has all her measurements. Yeah. And the dressmaker comes and it's like the measurements were off by like a ton. Cause she's massive lady. Ah, uh, that's then, some old school detective work. Yeah. Right there. And that was the neighbors that did that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the dress maker. What about the hat maker? What kind of, what size head did she have? Yeah. And then, so then the coroner actually takes all four bodies, the three kids and the, and the body of Belle, supposedly Belle and like does an autopsy and he does an autopsy on all of their stomachs and they all ate hell of strychnine. So they've all been poisoned. Uh-huh. Uh, What's the name of the poison? Strychnine. Strychnine. Okay. So they all are, their bellies are all full of poison, which is like, obviously hella suspicious right so at this point after that information comes out the sheriff is like that's probably not bell so (laughs) they put out like a warrant for her arrest and they do this like massive manhunt they're trying to pull ladies off trains they think are her (laughs) oh no it's a hard time to be a big big norwegian gal (laughs) i know they actually ended up arresting this lady that was totally not her and it was like this huge embarrassment you know so eventually like they find out the local dentist comes forward and he says I made her a really specific set of false teeth. Yeah. That, which is like big lady false teeth, right? <laughs> and I think if you find her false teeth, because they're partially metal, mm-hmm. if you find them, he's saying like basically like a bridge that he made that has like some teeth uh-huh. in it, a lot of gold, and like maybe some wood, something like that. Right? <laughs> so it's like some sort of like full, like a multimedia thing. art piece. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, if you can find those, I know exactly what I made for her and those would be her teeth. So the sheriffs go out and they get a gold miner from Colorado. Like what are the old timey guys with the pan? Yeah, sure. Like that sifts for of like course, gold nuggets. Of yeah, so yeah. he goes a prospector kind of right, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he goes out and he starts using his like pan to go through all the ashes to try to find these teeth. So he just like uh-huh. sits in this ash pile of the house for like a week going through and they just find hell of men's watches yeah. <laughs> piles of men's watches yeah. and eventually on the last day he finds the teeth okay right and people are like oh man he found the teeth except for the neighbors were watching him and all the neighbors said that he pulled it out of his vest pocket whatever teeth he had yeah. and like planted them yeah which is 
crazy, is he, right? Uh-huh. Now... Is that to make himself look like a like a viable professional who should be paid? Or here's the thing. I don't know, but she had so much money. Yeah. That like to me, uh, it's like if I had to pay, if I escaped this fire, yeah, right. And I was like on the run. I could definitely see her like hiding out somewhere, and then like figure out who this prospector is and being like, I will give you a thousand dollars if you put these teeth. In yeah. The right. Ashes. To make it seem like I'm actually dead. Right. Right. You know, that's, that's just my speculation. Yeah. Like to me, I think like she's, she had at some, I think at this point we'll look at this, but they're estimating she had somewhere in the neighborhood of $6 million in yeah. today's money. Yeah. Like she had so much money. Right. Yeah. So she could have really bought herself out of some crazy shit. Right. I think so. Right. That's just a speculation that has nothing to do with what I, no, that's a good one, but right. they found the teeth. But the other thing about the teeth is that like the pan, the gold miners like, no, no, I did it. I did it right. This yeah. is it. But they weren't burnt. <laughs> right. well, <laughs> there wasn't also, any yeah. like fire markings on the teeth. They weren't affected by the fire. They well, were just like, perfect. <laughs> they're just like perfect gold teeth. Well, also like the idea is that it, they got burned while they were in her skull. So there'd probably be some remnants of bone or something also around in it. The part of the ashes instead of just some perfect. All right. Well, I think they were like, it was a removable branch, like the removable, removable teeth. Right. So like they could have fallen out. Like they're not attached to the bone. Right. But at the same time, like no skull anywhere that's right. hers, but they find the teeth and the teeth aren't burned. I think that's a mystery. Yeah. Okay. Obviously this guy. Okay. I got it. Right? I believe the. I, I definitely believe the neighbors that are like, yeah, we just saw him put the teeth there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Cause the neighbors so far have been like, no, no, she's massive. And the police are like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. And they're like, ask her dressmaker. There's like, no, that's not her. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever. So basically like they have no bell. The kids are dead. They have a headless body. And they can't prove anything and they have the teeth, right? Yeah. So they convict Ray Lamphere of arson, but not murder because okay. they just can't prove that body was even hers. <laughs> but nobody gave a fuck about the kids, <laughs> which right. I was like, okay, right. well, they can't prove the body is Belle because they don't have a head. Right. But I mean, there are three dead children. Well, and a dead per- woman. Right. I who's know. Not, they're like, like, well, it's not Belle. No, then who cares about it? Like a mystery. Like thing. no one was missing from the area or anything? Like, okay. So they didn't find anybody. Okay. Uh, and then basically he went to prison and he died a year later of tuberculosis in prison. So Ray's arc is done. Right? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah afterwards like a little later there's like stuff that came out so like it's such a crazy story right uh-huh. like they're just like what could have happened like that and there's no proof that she escaped right it's like she did murder all these people that's definitely like true yeah but there's no proof that she escaped they never found her they never found her she never showed up nothing, no, nothing never happened. to be heard and of like, ever again like, and people still speculate i mean it's like they're like it could have been her they don't know for sure if that body wasn't her. You know, yeah. there's no DNA. Right. And like maybe they heard their impression of her. Is she's larger than life. Or maybe uh-huh. they body burned, you know, enough to like shrink it a little bit. So without the head, she looks shorter. You know, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. there's it's not an exact science. Yeah, maybe she had like a five head. Yeah, you know? right. So her body was actually kind of small, but she was just big really tall because she was a five head. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's all true, right? right. So it's hard to say for mm-hmm. sure. Like mm-hmm. nobody's proven that they never found her. But what they found out afterwards is that after Ray Lamphere died and like everything kind of calmed down, they start to find out like they did also check her bank accounts mm-hmm. and 
she only had about $700 in her bank accounts. She mm -hmm. had two bank accounts, right? Which is odd because they know how much money they had, she yeah. had. And then like they say the estimated amount of money that she would have gotten per victim would range between $1,000 and then I think all the way to Andrew's money, which would be around $32,000. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of money, right. right? And so they're averaging this money out and kind of did the math and they think that she accumulated probably more than $250,000 in 19, like, you know, early 1900s money, uh -huh. which is about $6.3 million. Yeah. It's nowhere. Nobody found it. That money is gone. Oh man. She's, she absolutely just escaped with all that money. So that's gone. And then the other thing that happened yeah. is a few years later, there was actually like a really super poor lady who lived in like, like kind of a shack sort of house mm -hmm. that was kind of close to Belle's property. Mm -hmm. And she died um, just of old age. Mm -hmm. And the neighbors came to like sort her stuff and they found a woman's head jammed between two mattresses. In oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so that was definitely... Between the mattresses? Yeah, like in her house, they found this head like jammed between the two mattresses. Like, like an a old... Skull, like like a an old head. Like in her house. So that lady had just been sleeping with a skull under her mattress? It was like in some mattresses. I don't know if it was her personal mattresses, but it was uh -huh. like, it was wedged under some stuff like hidden, like as they're moving out all the furniture and stuff, it was like wedged in the corner, like underneath these two mattresses. Damn. So that's crazy, <laughs> right? And then later, nobody really knows what happened. She easily could have died in that fire. The guys could have helped her kill people. But I mean, like, it's pretty clear she killed what they're guessing yeah. to be over 40 people <laughs> like total based on these skulls that they found in like fragments and stuff like that. So they found like, you know, 13 bodies, but they're looking at like maybe around 40 people. She's yeah. also feeding things to the hogs and like, right. So uh, once they counted like all this stuff, that's like about what they think it was. Yeah. And so she did that. Right. Also, she did kill her two husbands. Also, she did kill her three kids yeah. and she got hella money for all that. They're pretty sure she uh, also got insurance from all like the candy store that burned down, sure. right? Her first house that yeah. burned down, like all of this stuff was like this kind of accumulation of wealth. Yeah. But nobody really knows. Right. And then like basically like, like way later in 1931, there was an elderly woman named Esther Carlson and she was arrested in Los Angeles because she poisoned this guy, August Lindstrom for his money. So mm -hmm. she like got married and poisoned him and tried to take his money. And her picture started circulating in the newspaper and hella people were like, that is Belle Gunnis. There's no yeah. way that's not Belle Gunnis. <laughs> right, right. And she ended up dying in prison. She didn't get tried. So like they, she, she ended up just dying. She probably poisoned herself. Well, I don't know. She's in prison. Maybe she did. And, uh, and then they like went through all her stuff and her like, the room she was renting yeah. and she had a chest and it was full of pictures of that looked like identical to the kids that she oh, had that died. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely her. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> <Belle>. <laughs> So that's like how that wrapped up. People were just like, and then like the whole way, I just was reading this. I was like, this is insane. She just yeah. got away with straight up murder over and over and over again. Like people kept trying to arrest her and she was just like, Oh, I, I didn't do so that. So they never found out, like, did she poison him? She, probably she poisoned them first and then hacked them up. That's what, Mac, like, her, her caretaker, mm -hmm. Maxon, said, like, I'm almost positive that oranges were poisoned. So, like, yeah. oh, the, the victims? 
Yeah, the victims. Like, how did she kill 40 people? And the, yeah, the majority them and then she hit poisoned them, them yeah, yeah, and then, then cut them. Because all up. of the yeah. skulls had blunt force trauma to the back oh, of the head. Oh, they did. Just like yeah. the meat grinder guy. <laughs> the meat grinder. <laughs> they were like, every single They had like somebody had come up and just like bash their head. Yeah. So she was just, I think she poisoned them and then bashed them in the back of their head, then dismembered them, and then scattered them around the farm in different burlap sacks yeah. with garbage. And so she would tie up garbage bags with like, with garbage and like give them to these guys and then they just go bury them around the property i know they're like uh yeah there's a- <laughs> i mean it makes sense because she's also like a hog farmer you know right well and they're americans like are responsible for what 20 tons of garbage per individual right. a year yeah, yeah, yeah. she's just ahead of her time yeah. you know what i mean they did like nobody they were just like yeah buried bags and like max and was just like well, i don't know oh I'm- my god you know what this makes me think of there was that movie we didn't see it but like the shtick of the movie is that um uh, with like a the blink of an eye, no one on earth remembers who the Beatles were and all their music has disappeared except for one guy. So he's like, oh, I can get rich. I'm just going to like play these Beatles songs and see if I can get rich and famous for doing these Beatles songs, yeah. right? Maybe that's not the exact same thing I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm more thinking about like, <laughs> you know, when people are like, if I could go back in time, I would like you know, steal the Beatles music or something. And yeah. Like, right. Play, or I'd go back in time and like kill Hitler or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I would just go back in time and solve all of these hella obvious murders know, and be like-, like known as like the genius detective. <laughs> just go and like steal like all these like podcasters in the two thousands, like cracking the cases of all these different, you know, murder trials. I would just go back and be like, actually it's Bell Gunnison. Go you know, dig up that uh, <laughs> that pile of garbage over there. <laughs> it's so unbelievable to me that people will just say like, well, you know, she's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but she didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of slow, but she's definitely not an axe murderer. I mean, three of her kids died. Her first husband died, and then her second husband died. <laughs> people are just like... I don't know, you know? Uh, You know what's another unbelievable detail about the whole, like, back in the day aspect of this? Mm. Was when she got that first, those two life insurance claims that equaled, like, like what would be in today's money, like a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. And she, like, used that money to go buy a pig farm and be rich yeah it's like a quarter of a million dollars doesn't even buy you a small house now i know i know (laughs) i know that is interesting like a a decent house in la is like three quarters of a million dollars right that's not a farm right it's definitely not that's like a two-bedroom house yeah i mean it so in this weird way you're like in today's money it'd be a quarter of a million but if you were to think of how much money it's going to take to go buy a pig farm out in the countryside yeah it'd be like five million dollars yeah right I know. I mean, I don't know. We don't know how much. No, I don't know. Costs. Yeah, but I, I know that is like it's just. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like we, like we're kind of in this atrophying post-capitalist space in life. You yeah. know, we're like the big article that came out was like there is no place in America where you can rent a two-bedroom house working for minimum wage in the yeah. entire country. Yeah. I'm not two-bedroom house, two-bedroom apartment. apartment. right. No one working minimum wage can actually afford a decent place to live. Yeah. Well, there's only like, you know, certain counties in certain states where like a, a, a teacher, a public school teacher can afford Yeah, an can afford an apartment. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you're looking at something like this, living in this part of history yeah it's just so crazy to me to think about what it would have been like a hundred years ago you know when it was just 
all it was was abundance. I mean, well, there's the trade-off of everything was terrible. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. like, also, these like nice white Norwegian people that can move over here and like get a security job and then open a candy store. Next thing you know, we're pig farmers. Yeah, you know, right. like that was meanwhile. That mobility <laughs> didn't exist for like most, like a lot of people. And not to mention the people that were actually here first on this land whose right. mobility was headed in the exact opposite direction no, at the time. all of that. All of that's totally true. It's That's totally true. I mean, it's all a nightmare. It's yeah. all a nightmare. We're a pestilence on this planet. But yeah. It is weird to think about at the very least you could think about that for yourself. You yeah, know what right. I mean? Like Nick Castellini, white dude, I was child like, of immigrants. As like a child of immigrant white man back then, I could have been I could have gotten very wealthy pretty easily and then i could have given it to a woman and gotten my head chopped off and no one would have asked what happened to me no totally <laughs> or you could have murdered like 40 people <laughs> and then this escaped <laughs> pay the shack lady a hundred dollars to keep his head get the fuck out of you could have just you could have done all kinds of stuff i mean the plan is just insane <laughs> it's like all this like written evidence letters witnesses uh. like I mean, you could not have more evidence to like the fact that she murdered all these people. Okay, so did she do it for the thrill of the kill? How does money play into this? How does accumulating wealth factor into Belle's mindset? Well, I mean, I think she never didn't kill for money as far as people know. Except for her children. I think she had insurance policies out on oh. them, at least a couple. That's something that they can't prove. Right. But it also is like, you know, if you don't, if you're kind of like a psychopath and you don't care about your kids, yeah. you know, maybe you're just murdering them because you're like, this is too many kids. I mean, I genuinely <laughs> think that at some point she had like five or four and she was like, well, oh, this is too many kids. I don't want this many kids. And then she like, then she gets two kids from her first husband and one of them's like a baby, which takes yeah. a lot of like energy. And right. so that kid died. Yeah. She's killing the youngest ones and keeping the oldest ones that can like right. do housework work, yeah, and work like, the farm. yeah, help or, take the garbage right, out, not be a pain in the ass. <laughs> like all of the ones, the only kids who died before the fire were just the ones that needed the most like attention. Yeah. Right. And I think that that is still transactional in this way, you know? Right. Well, because they say, I think you brought this up on an episode recently, that m most CEOs are psychopaths. I mean, that's just like an idea. I don't know. If I, can, oh. I don't think that's like. Well, I turned that idea into a scientifically proven fact that you read about in an accredited. I read uh, like an article uh, publication. about like an like a, like a article like postulating that, yeah. you know, or that, that the idea that that type of certain types of personalities are like brain chemistry and stuff like mm -hmm. that are like more predisposed to ruthlessly running a business, you know, right, like right. this kind of like absence of like a strong sense of empathy is right. the type of thing that like you can catapult further that way. Cause you can just make ruthless decisions. Right. That was like the kind of thesis of the article. Right. And that makes sense that the sort of blind accumulation of wealth would feed into this, you know, like as much as that is taking, you know, yeah. like you're just like grabbing and taking and like you can call it earning if you want, but you're just like, give me, give me, give me. Yeah. And how there would be like a direct connection to then people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. For her, it's, it's like there wasn't really as far as you could tell, like a yeah. sadistic element to it. People would come over, she'd poison them and kill them and take their money, you know, but it's like there's not torture <laughs> yeah, yeah. or rape or like 
you know yeah of, what is she she's not a man <laughs> well i mean it's like it's like very like and even like all of these murders like kind of yeah like she didn't not benefit from them yeah right. you know they were yeah. all kind of definitely beneficial so it just felt like she was like well and you can kind of see the escalation it's like yeah. oh our house burned down the candy shop's not making any money yeah so if i burn down the candy shop we can yeah. just buy a new house right and then they do that and it's like, oh, great. Okay, well, that worked really well. Well, I have this house and I've got these kids, but two of them are taking up all my time. So I'm just going <laughs> to murder them. Yeah, right. And then you're hanging and you're like, I don't really like my husband. Yeah. And I don't really like not being in control of my life and I want to escalate like my life, like my you know, I want to get richer. I want to like build. My yeah, life. I can take I can get more money from taking it from someone who already has it than I can waiting for this butcher to bring in an income. Right. And like with the first guy, you know, she's like, oh, OK, well, I killed these kids. Yeah. I got this insurance. What do I take out double insurance on this <laughs> yeah, guy yeah. and see what happens? And no, there's a like, very like kind of like ladylike practical, you know, mindset to it. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? She just like kind of just worked it out and then did it and. <laughs> she was the president and the client and only student of the Bell Gunnison Finishing School. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Thank, Thank you, you for listening. listening. You guys are incredible and we love you. Remember to leave us reviews if you want to do that. That'd be really awesome. <laughs> uh, happy Halloween. Go vote. I guess that's it. That's it, baby. Okay. Thank you to Ryan and Ryan. Y'all have a spooky Halloween week. Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it because it's real and it has a name. One million musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire. <laughs>